0: They have to be focused. They have to be goal oriented. You really have to know what you want. Um, And then I think I didn't do this alone, right? I've been able to build a great team. And I think that has really helped us succeed. So having a great culture. And I think, again, you know, that's something I really learned at StudioWorks and Lululemon. So it was easy for me, you know, and I'm obviously continuing to learn and and know what that takes, but it's having a great, uh, great atmosphere and a great culture for, that's a welcoming, supportive environment for people to come in um, and start their careers.
1: Welcome. You are going to be excited about who I have coming up for you today. So we have Nick Wiktorczyk and Nick is the co-founder and CEO at Spently. So Spently is an e-commerce or supports e-commerce merchants on over 75 countries and has generated over a half a billion dollars in additional sales uh, for their clients on the Shopify store. So there's a huge war if you haven't been aware of it, uh, between Amazon and really almost all other retailers. And Amazon has been, they've been sort of participating in some maybe aggressive, uh, you know, dirty tricks. Some people are calling them, uh, maybe some unethical behavior. And again, I'm, that's not what I'm calling them, but there's been some, some bad press for, for Amazon and, and Shopify has been stepping in and, and really offering another way for brands to go to market online. And Spentley uh, Nick's uh, business that he's the CEO of, offers some services for Shopify clients that really make a huge difference and amplifying their success. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that on the podcast. He talks about his lessons from Lululemon and meeting Chip, Chip Wilson, the, the founder and CEO and billionaire um, chairman now of Lululemon and how he's made really his culture um, really unique and really different and uh, the lessons he's taken from student works. So really excited in the sacrifices he made, he's made at Spently uh, to really make a difference and really build and develop the business that he's, he's developed, you know, the 14 or 15 people that, that he's got growing this business in Toronto. So I know you're going to love the podcast and you know, my request is always the same. If you know any young leaders who are looking to have massive futures and really want to learn about being a leader, please send them my way. You can have them send me an email at at leaderspodcast.ca, or you could uh, have them apply at studentworks.com slash apply or you could send them to the leaders of tomorrow podcast and they could, they could hear about what we're up to. Thanks so much. I hope you have a fantastic day. I'm welcoming uh, Nick with And I know I didn't do a great job pronouncing that. So my apologies, Nick. Pretty well, pretty well. <laughs> oh, good. Fantastic. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm always holding myself to a real high standard, but. Um, <laughs> so, Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow, and I'm um, really excited about you joining us, and you're really operating in a really cool space that I know our leaders are going to find out about. But why don't we just get started from the beginning? What were you like before joining Student Works Management Program?
0: Sure. First, I wanted to say thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited to be here. But what was it like before Student Works? Well, I was an, am- an ambitious high school student. Um, I had a goal of being in business. That's all I really knew. You know, I tell all my friends in high school, I want to be a high paid business. Okay. That, that's really all I knew.
1: You were clear. That's yeah. it.
0: I knew I wanted to be in business, um, but I didn't know where. Right. And then I went off to uh, the University of Western Ontario. And within, you know, the first week or two, someone from student works came in and, and did that pitch. Um, and my ears perked up and I said, Hey, you know, this, this might be the right path. I might learn a lot by doing this. Um, so I, so I signed up and and began that process. Awesome. And so if you can remember, did
1: you have any big frustrations as a teenager before you got started, you know, in running a, running a business?
0: You know what? I, I don't think I really did have a lot of frustrations. I think maybe, you know, part of my frustration was trying to figure out what it is I want to do. I think a lot of kids, you know, are are thinking about that um, at that time, especially when they're going to university. And I, once you start going to university, you're trying to pick your direction, what courses you're going to take. And I knew I was into business. Um, and that's, that was where I was at. But other than that, I mean, I was a happy, healthy kid in playing sports, had a great time in high school, had a lot of friends. So I didn't have a lot of serious frustrations, to be honest.
1: Right, right. But there was a restlessness,
0: right? Yes. Right. And I think yeah, a lot of that.
1: Yeah, a lot of people in our program kind of have a restlessness, right? Like, you know, just, hey, I really want to do something. I really want to move something. I really mm-hmm. want to make a difference, right? That's right. And I see that in you. And, and so what do you still rely on from the program, Nick?
0: Hmm. I think, you know, Student Works was the foundation, right. especially the training, right? Before we even got into knocking on doors, getting that training from Student Works was really pivotal. Pivotal, And I don't even think you realize it at the time, um, but right. Student Works did an excellent job of laying that foundation. So, I mean, they were the first uh, organization to teach me about goals and setting smart Right to this day. And, you know, one of the things I did after Student Works was I worked at Lululemon Lemon for a while, and that was really part of their culture as well. So it's just something that, you know, I, I kept seeing, you know, the importance of goals and, and, and going through that process throughout my life. So it's been, a, it's uh, that was great. Um, another thing was, you know, simple things like Student Works taught us to be on time, say please and thank you, finish what you start, right? Those simple lessons right? They really were the foundation for kind of my entrepreneurial journey.
1: Yeah. No. And before entrepreneurial journey, I know you mentioned Lululemon and I know you spent a couple of years there. There's a really fantastically successful brand and Canadian brand. And, and, and I love, I love the culture. Um, Tell me more about what was it like there? What what, would you learn there? What'd you take away from that organization?
0: Oh, so much. I mean, I think, it, it's funny because I was reflecting on this before coming on the podcast, and one of the similarities—and there's a few—but okay, goal setting similarities between StudentWorks and and Lululemon, but also culture, right? StudentWorks had a great culture of being a manager in, in your organization, and then taking those skills and those leadership skills um, and those managerial skills, and then now moving to Lululemon. I mean, you see a lot of the same thing. You're surrounded by the same type of people in a way, right? Right. Positive people, people who want to make a difference, people who do what they say, people who are goal-oriented. Like, you know, it sounds crazy, but one of the things Lululemon does is they literally coach you out of the company, right? They they literally say like, hey, what are your goals? And, you know, they understand that for a lot of people who are going to be part of Lululemon, their goals are probably outside of the company. And so they help you achieve that. They help you be excellent in your role at the company, but they also coach you to go and pursue that bigger thing. And I mean, at the time for me, it, it was Spentley. Spentley was something very different, but I actually yeah. had the opportunity to go sit down with Chip Wilson, who was uh, who the founder and chairman of Lululemon. lemon, I made it known. And billionaire yeah, and billion and billionaire, so not a good not a bad guy to meet um, and I kind of made it, I made it part of my goals. I told my manager of the store and I said, "Hey, I want to meet chito and the next time you know he was in Toronto, um, every so often he would pick a few stores and, and people to meet with, and my manager said, "Hey, I have someone who wants to really meet you and I went for lunch with him and told him about what I was doing. And he said, you know, no problem. He was giving me high fives and really encouraged me and motivated me to pursue this big technology idea I was uh, building at the time. And to the point where he literally, I had meetings with the top executives at Lululemon at one point. And it was, he kind of pushed that through. Um, So that was an amazing culture to be a part of, right? That, That supportive culture and inspiring. Yeah. That was amazing. So that's something I I took from there.
1: That is so, so cool. I'm, I'm inspired by that. I've read a bunch about Chip and Lululemon culture, and I did not know, it doesn't surprise me, but I didn't know, because that's something that we have. We know that most people's dreams are outside of our program, and that's, that's what we, the program is about, setting those dreams up. But I didn't know that that was also the way for Lululemon. I know Lululemon also has a relationship with landmark education, they do, and so yeah. do we. We, have, oh, we really? have an enormous number of our past, past operators. It, it wasn't as strong when you were an operator, but now I, I've referred over 120 people to the program. Um, and, uh, you know, I've done the c- complete curriculum and, and that's another thing as well that that you sense in an organization. It's like real integrity, owning, being accountable. You know, those are where those values come and and then it's just workable, right? It, it it's, it's easy, you know, to take ownership of things. Uh, isn't that fantastic? Well, good. I'm really glad I asked about that. Yeah. And obviously, then it also, you know, makes you want to be a customer, makes you want to, you know, share, share that brand. Right. Like, it's like, oh, that's
0: right. Like, yeah, I haven't worked there for years, um, but I still shop there. I still, yeah, I feel like I'm part of the culture stuff, you know, yes. I'm, I still want to support it. I'm still an advocate of it as I am student work. Right. Yes. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Exactly. And
1: I know that because you're on you're on the leaders of tomorrow podcast. Yeah, there so you yeah. go. <laughs> so let's dig in. As you're you know you're continuing school as you're as you're working at Lululemon, you start crafting this idea for a business. So tell tell our leaders about this.
0: So, you know, at first I was at at Western, and Western was a lot of fun um, and a lot of good opportunities, but I started trying to figure out what it is I wanted to do in business. And I found a postgraduate program. At the time, you know, I was graduating uh, in 2008, 2009. So the peak of the the global recession, right? So decided, okay, I'm going to go to Humber College, do a postgraduate program in global business management. And I knew I was gonna move home and I knew I was gonna be ultra focused on school and everything right. I learned in that program, I'm gonna put into my business or some idea. And uh, my co-founder in Spentley did the same. So both of us, we graduated, moved back home, went in this program. And uh, we, we literally did that, right? So we were constantly um, brainstorming, ideating and anything we learned in this business program we would put into, you know, our business, into our business plan, into our concepts, et cetera. So it was that, and then it was Lululemon. At Lululemon, you have goal coaches, right? So there's people, I'm telling them what I want to do, and they're pushing you, and they're making your goals very scary, and they're pushing you outside your comfort zone to do things that maybe, you know, you wouldn't necessarily do, or, or have the confidence to do as fast as you need to, right? So I think it was a, a mix of of goal coaching I was receiving at Lululemon and my program, um, and then I ended up winning a contest at Humber College, which was uh, it was called the New Venture fund, and we we won eight, thousand dollars for the idea of Spitley at the time, and, and basically just off of a, a business plan and a pitch, right And you know we, we took that that money and then we had to start executing. Yes, that was kind of the, the small nest egg and we turned, you know, 8,000 into, uh, 38,000. We got another grant and then we with 38,000. We were able to kind of prototype out the first versions of Spently with, with a small yoga studio that I had connections with Lululemon. Um, and then we raised some initial, uh, angel investment capital. And then we've kind of just gone from there.
1: So explain to our leaders, what does Spently do? What's, what's the business model, you know, et cetera.
0: Sure. So it's really changed over the years. I mean, when we were in Humber College, it was about eliminating paper receipts, right? I went to a, a Loblaws. I got a three foot long receipt for three items. And I said, hey, like, this doesn't make sense anymore. Why are we doing this? And then you start researching and you find out, hey, you know, they're not recyclable. There's lots of chemicals on them, lots of waste. Doesn't make sense. So that's kind of, that was the impetus for this. Along the way, we, it was, the timing was off, right? Everyone in retail was using legacy old POS systems. Not really a good way to integrate. um, Hard to get the customer's email address at the point of sale, slows down check lines. So while we're doing all of this, we, we stumbled upon Shopify. And we had a friend who had a business on Shopify and he said, Hey, I would love to do what you guys are are offering for bigger merchants. Um, And and along the way, the eReceipt became a marketing tool for those merchants as well, right? And he said, I would love to do that I'm on Shopify. So we said, okay. We started looking into Shopify, Canadian company, small at the time. I think there was about 30,000 merchants on the platform. And we built a prototype there. And it made sense because when you're in an online store, you have to send an email receipt. There's no other way yes. to give Absolutely. a receipt, right? So in that regard, you know, it was less about eliminating the paper receipt, but it was just improving the customer experience of what the stores were already doing. They have to send this email. At the time, it was just a plain text email. Um, and we said, hey, this, this is the most open email you can send your customer. Why isn't it on brand? Why aren't you communicating your messaging to your customer on this platform. What what they're going to open, they're going to save, right? Put your social link. And then as we got more sophisticated, we started putting intelligent offers and recommendations and discounts, personalized discounts to get these shoppers to come back and shop again. For a while, we were still trying to penetrate the enterprise market, and Shopify was really just our our prototype. So we were talking to big stores like Lululemon, um, The Bay, Canadian Tire, huge, huge stores and marketing departments loved us and IT departments, not so much. And it was mainly because of the timing and, and these legacy systems. Um, so at a certain, certain point in time, we said, hey, we have all these people over here on Shopify and they're asking us for X, Y, and Z feature. Why don't we just go and focus on them? And as soon as we did that, we started building a business. And so, yeah, we, we support thousands of stores all around the world. Um, and we, we really help them drive repeat sales. And I think that's a really big challenge for most e-commerce merchants. Everyone spends so much money getting that customer in the door so they can purchase from you. Um, but it's a lot more efficient to get that person now, come back and shop again, uh, rather than trying to go find someone new. It's a lot cheaper and it's a lot more effective. Um, and by doing it through a transactional email, like an email receipt, or a shipping confirmation, it's a lot less intrusive. Your customers want that email. So if you can say, Hey, thanks for shopping from me. And here's a reward to come back and shop again, because we really want you to become a loyal customer. um, That really works. So yeah, that's, that's where we're at. That's what we do
1: exactly, and, and so so seventy five plus contracts uh, over a half a billion dollars in additional sales supercharged through your program. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, wow. Um, and so so how does the financial model work? Uh, do they pay monthly? Do they pay by customer? Um, you know, just so just again, because one of the cool things again, our leaders are like you. How am I going to run a business? What is it going to look like? I'm fascinated.
0: Yes. So our business model is. Uh, is a subscription based model and it's based on so that means they're paying us monthly Uh, for the most part we have some customers who pay us annually uh, but most customers are paying us monthly and it's based on their order volume so if they're doing under 50 orders a month we give it away for them for free we figure these stores um, they're small they don't have money for all these different apps let's support them let's help them grow Um, And these transactional emails are a good way for them to do that. And then once they can afford us at a level of, let's say they're doing about 50 orders a month, then we start a, then you start paying. It starts at $100 a month and it goes up from there tiered based on how many orders you're doing.
1: Awesome. Awesome. I love that too. Right. Cause this is something you've built so we can give it away for free. And then as they get going, okay, I'm addicted to this. I need this as part of my, my solution. That's right. And hopefully everyone sees like, again, Shopify is just an amazingly successful, again, another successful rockstar Canadian organization. And it's just really, really doing well. And they're competing against a gorilla, a monster in the marketplace. And that's Amazon. And I know we were talking before the, the, the podcast and I, and again, doesn't mean that they're bad because I'm an Amazon client, but some of the things that they're doing right over the last little while. Not so nice, you know, and there's real issues. And so why don't you share about that and what's happening in the marketplace and why that, that means there's an opportunity for Shopify and an opportunity for Spently.
0: Sure. So I mean, first off, for, for Spently, Amazon does a lot of the things that Spentley's doing for these smaller merchants, right? So that's part of the the amazing. of the app store and Shopify is that, you know, you can be a little store, but you don't have to spend millions of dollars to create these custom things that your store is going to need. There's certain apps for that, right? So you shop on Amazon, you get an email later that says, Hey, we also recommend X, Y, and Z, right? So we do that for the Shopify merchant on their, right on their transactional emails. So it gives them kind of that leg up and a way to compete with people like Now, in terms of Amazon, I think what a lot of people are are unhappy with is that Amazon has become a bit predatory. So they have an immense amount of data. They see what's selling, what's not selling, um, and they've now started their own brand. So they are, um, you know, there's everything from Amazon batteries to paper towels to apparel and running shoes. Um, and, and they're using everybody else's kind of blood-sweat and to position themselves in the marketplace um, in a better way than, than the actual brands who started. Uh, most notably, they, they recently did this with a company called Allbirds, which is uh, an incredible brand. They're, they're on Shopify, funny enough, yeah. uh, like yeah. a lot of big brands are now. And they make uh, ultra-comfortable, super-sustainable wool running shoes. And Amazon made you know, their own version. Yes, and you know the founder from Albert's kind of had a great approach to it, and he kind of said, "Hey, if you're going to copy our shoes, at least copy our sustainability practices." And I think they got a lot of good PR out of it. But yeah, a lot of a lot of brands are now taking a step back from Amazon because they don't want their data kind of owned by Amazon, and they don't want Amazon making these kind of knockoffs. So Shopify uh, is using that to their advantage and saying, "Hey," Come to us. You own everything. You own your own brand. No one's going to steal anything from you because we're we do not sell anything. We're just a platform that's enabling you to sell anywhere. You know, whether it's uh, online or through social or in store through Shopify POS or, or mobile POS. Um, and, and their slogan right now is that they're arming the rebels and uh, arming the rebels. Arming Isn't that the, a great slogan? Yeah, it really is. Um, and I think they're doing a great job of it, right? Shopify just hit. They just hit a million merchants not too long ago Um, so they're they're growing quite nicely and and it gives people a way to get keep control of their brand and and reach you know tons of people still because more and more people are are shopping online it's it's one of the only trillion dollar industries growing at double digit percentage every year and you know you don't just have to sell on amazon if you want to do well online you can there's other avenues
1: that's really what's happening. I, kn- I know there's an article in Forbes this morning, Nike's pulling off, there's right. the, all, all these big brands are coming off. I know I was, I, I was listening to a podcast and, and Birkenstock was concerned. They were getting all these returns and they are going, hold on, we don't get returns. And as a former Birkenstock client, no, they, they last forever. Right. And what was happening is Amazon was allowing rip-offs to actually sell on their platform. And it'll be interesting to see what happens because, again, they're not the dark devil. The, I, I think these types of things will see where probably their ambition, their competitiveness maybe is, has taken them a little bit out of their space and kind of will, 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 I hope, will dial back some of these tactics to sort of say, hey, you shouldn't be allowing that sort of stuff on your platform, That's in right. my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And trying to figure out, uh, again, a values-based way to sort of manage that. And on the other hand as well, maybe for customers, it just says it just doesn't make sense to build build your brand on Amazon. That's right. And why, again, Shopify uh, stock is growing, Shopify um, suppliers are really doing well, et cetera, because of this opportunity. That's so right. it, it really is fascinating what happens in business. So. Um, and I know as well you. You've also developed another business, maybe. In a, you you described a little bit like you're a founder, a little bit of a side hustle because you're mostly involved in Spentley. Maybe you can describe what that's for. Sure. That's for and that's about.
0: Yeah, I'm a partner in a company called Monty and Co. Um, we make premium handcrafted luggage here in Toronto, and and similar to Albert's, we have a very sustainable approach. We, we're making all of our uh, luggage and accessories here in Toronto. We're using wool which is really different. You don't see a lot of bags made out of wool, so that's a very sustainable material. It, it wicks moisture. It's antibacterial, so it's great. We all, our slogan is carry us with you. So whether you're going to the office or the gym, the bag works. Uh, it's not going to smell. It's not going to retain odors. Right. It's naturally um, what are they, water repellent. And yeah, it's fantastic. So we, we import all of our materials from, from Italy. And we make a really high-quality product and we do it here in Toronto. Instead, you know, right. a lot of companies uh, are making their apparel offshores in and, and maybe not the greatest conditions. And so we have just a, a different approach. And then furthermore, we really like to make the interiors of the bags pop and we add a really creative strike to the bag. So I'm a our partner in, in the business. I help on the e-commerce side because that's kind of my expertise. And it's really a creative outlet. So it, I love designing the bags with my team, all, all four of us, um, all four partners. And uh, that's, you know, a fun process to do with your friends. And it's a great creative outlet for me.
1: Really cool. So Monty, M-O-N-T-E and Co C-O-E dot com. Yeah. Just on the site as we're talking. Nice. Really, really great products. Thank you. Just really great design. Thank Great you. design. Thank yeah, you. it just looks really, really sharp. Hey leaders, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to
0: the episode.
1: How did you know running a business was the right thing for you?
0: Like I said, I think, you know, ever since I was in high school, it was just in my blood. I just had that itch. I knew it's what I wanted. Um, and then student works gave me that first taste. And once I had the taste, I knew there was no looking back. You know, <laughs> uh, One of the other things yeah. I did, Chris, is after student works, I worked at the bank. Right, And um, I would compare, you know, student works, obviously you have to work incredibly hard, right? It's a results driven business. If you put in the work, you're going to do well. Um, and so when I worked at the bank afterwards, I was so bored, you know, right. they give you an assignment, <laughs> right. they say, here's a month. I would do it in a day. <laughs> and then it's like, well, what do I do for the next 29 days? Right. It was terrible. <laughs> So, you know, interesting to see that office culture. And, and you know, for me, is in college, and I want to learn and I want to see and get different experiences. But that kind of solidified it for me. And, and when I was at, at Humber, um, not only was I working at Lululemon, but I was also working at the bank part time. You know, I was going back and forth and I could see that the bank was starting to you know put their hooks in. You know, I was doing well there. I was impressing a lot of people. People wanted to take me under their wing. And I just, I had to kind of look in the mirror and I was tempted, right? Because you can get a nice paycheck and, you know, a lot of career opportunities there, obviously, I'm working downtown on King and Young there. And I was, I was tempted. And, but then I said to myself, no, like I know I, I want to be an entrepreneur. I had a lot of friends who graduated Western. They're working in finance, they're living downtown, they're making a ton of money. Um, I'm still living at home. And I have to look at myself and say, okay, are you willing to live at home for the next few years and start a business and grind it out and make those sacrifices? And I knew once I started working somewhere and making good money that you, know, you start making financial commitments, maybe to get a condo, maybe you get a car, et cetera. And now it's harder and harder and harder to start that business. So I, I didn't want to put myself in that position. So I said no to the bank. And then I pursued Spently. And I'm really happy I did. And I mean, yeah, it's tough. It took us a while to find product market fit and get things going. And during that time, you're looking around, you're looking around your friends and people in your age group, and, and you know, monetarily, they're doing better than you. Um, and that's, it's, it was, I don't want to say it was hard. I, I was prepared for it. But it's something that in the back of your mind, you're you're doubting, you know, did I make the right choice? Am I doing the right thing? And, and you just kind of have to persist and keep, you know, writing down your goals, achieving your goals and working hard. And you get there eventually, right? There's ups and downs. But the amount that I have learned, and, and that was a big thing, too, when I was at student works and I worked, worked at the bank. I learned a hundred times more at StudentWorks, works and, and not just about painting. Right. Sure. Right. We're talking about, you know, managerial skills, life skills, my first of everything, hiring people, firing people, um, learning how to run a business. Like that's all from StudentWorks, Right. So I, I knew at that point, I said, I, I have to be an entrepreneur because I'm going to learn. Um, and, and, you know, Even if the business didn't work out, that I would have learned a wealth of knowledge. And, and thank God, Spentley has worked out, right? But the amount I've learned, and that, that was even part of it with Montinko. When I joined Montinko, the company had already started as a hobby for some of my friends. And I said, hey, let me, let me help you do an Indiegogo. And let me help you with your e-commerce side of the business. This is a friend I wanted to help. But when I went in, and, and these are smart people with, with, in great jobs right? With good business degrees, but none of them had run their own business. So it was easy for me to come in and say, Hey guys, like, what about
1: this? What about that? Yeah.
0: We have to fix here and we have to run things a bit differently. Um, and once they started bringing up these ideas, they said, okay, well, well why don't you just be our partner and help us on this journey? And I said, okay, let's do it. So the, the amount, sometimes you don't even know what, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, the wealth of knowledge that you learn is, is
1: that you have from all the experiences you have for sure. And one of the things that, that you said midway through you know, your really awesome share there, Nick, was this is hard. Well, no, no, maybe it wasn't so hard. No, Nick, this is hard. You know, yes, Nick, this is hard. And it really is a sacrifice, you know, to sort of say, Hey, I'm gonna turn down the money I could be earning, I'm gonna suck up and, you know, adapt and s- stay with my folks. And, and again, I'm sure your folks are awesome. And isn't that great? Like, thank, thanks mom. Thanks yeah, dad. Right. Exactly. But I know that there's rules, there's ways that they, they want to live that maybe you wouldn't live if it, if it was your own, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. And so, so, Hey, you know, you'd rather not be doing that, but your business needs cash. That's your it. business needs to grow. And so all your money is going there and you're building an asset and that's the asset that you're building. And so, so you're making that sacrifice for your business and for the cause that you're fighting, yeah. which is really cool.
0: That's hundred you know? percent. And I think you have to do that and you have to be realistic about it. Right. Yes. Especially when you're, when you're at a young age, right. You haven't saved up a ton of money to go and, and do this for the most part. So yeah, you have to decide, are you willing to make that sacrifice? And for me, um, it was kind of a no brainer. I just said, yeah, like this is, I know this is what my heart wants. If I don't do it, I'm going to regret it. So, yeah.
1: You know, just Nick to share on that, um, I bought this business Mm
0: -hmm. and,
1: and so I rented until I was 40. Mm -hmm. I'm not proud of that, but you know, we built up the assets and the asset of the business Mm -hmm. and and until, until we did that Mm -hmm. And and it took us a long time To really again reap the rewards of all that effort. Yeah. And certainly now we've reaped lots of rewards, but it took a long, long time. And, and, and so that's one of the things that's true about being an entrepreneurial leader is, is that there's sacrifices that there, no, I've got to pay down this, this debt. I got to pay down this investment. I got to build assets so that the business can expand and grow and we can hire more staff and we can do the things and geographical growth and all these things, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. So what about biggest failures or mistakes, you know, I'm sure there've been many and and, and some of it is finding your space, but what about failures and mistakes? Uh,
0: Sure. I, yeah, I think for us, uh, and it's something I always struggle with as an entrepreneur and and it's focus, right? Being focused. um, I think for us, I wish we had come to Shopify and just focused on Shopify for like earlier right? Because a lot of our successes come from riding Shopify's weight, frankly, right? Yeah. And if we had, had focused on Shopify right from the beginning, when we got there, our company would be a lot larger, frankly, right? Because yes. yeah. we yeah. would have gotten more of the market earlier and solidified yes. our position in the market earlier. For us, for the first few years, it was just this passive thing because we were trying to go upstream. We were focused on the enterprise. Um, so, if I, in in twenty thirteen, when we came to Shopify, if we were focused on Shopify, I think our business would be in a in a different position. So that you know, I, I wouldn't know if I call it a failure, but it's it's easy to look back on this thing and make decisions, right?
1: I have the same feeling, by the way. Like I I got distracted. We did a lot of things that 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 really, again, shouldn't have in hindsight. And then I just stayed focused on developing the student works management program with no other focuses, no other. And again, through that, I learned a lot through, you know, again, like now you wouldn't be focusing on that, right. that other stuff. Right? right. So, so in the end it's, it's all about lo- learning. So, That's but right. I hear you.
0: And the same thing with our app, right. In terms of features and where we've gone, like we, you know, we were the best at, you know, the EOC and transactional emails and we've kind of at one point started going into like email newsletters and, and automation. We still do some automation, but while we were doing those things, I don't think we had solidified being the best at transactional yet. Right? Right. I think we should right. await till we're best. Like we own the market and everyone knew it. Right. We had to kind of dip our toes and and we were getting advice from from people, right? And we were we were trying our best, and 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 it's hard sometimes. you sometimes you get advice from advisors and and whatnot, and maybe it's not the best advice, but you're looking to them and you're saying, "Okay, you know, they have experience. let's let's give it a go." And again, it's one of those things where I wish we just focused entirely on the transactional piece and just dominated the market there instead of coming full circle and yes, doing it later and playing a bit of catch up. right? So I think for me, one thing, and even, you know, I always struggle with it, but it's focus. And I think that's a challenge as an entrepreneur, you're always looking for opportunities and yes. you wanna seize those opportunities. Um, and it's about balancing, you know, do I pursue that opportunity or do I focus? Um, and I think one of the ways to help determine that is, is around your goals. If you're really clear about what your goals are, they can help you stay in line.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. If someone was considering venturing into the entrepreneurial world, what advice would you give them?
0: It really depends what it is, but I would say first, I would kind of lay the groundwork and tell them that it's not all sunshine and rainbows and you need to be (laughs) really prepared to experience incredible highs, but also incredible lows. Um, And I think a lot of people have really good ideas yeah. And they're like, I'm starting this business. And then you stop hearing about it in a couple of months. And it's because, you know, they call it, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's uh, basically, it's uninformed optimism. Ah, yes, right? yes. I don't know if you've yeah. heard that term. So it's the point where they said, that's when you should be selling. You can sell anything to anyone. You're so excited and passionate about your business, right? <laughs> and then you get to... Um, Just over the hump and I forget what it is, but it's like, you know, uh, it's the point where you should be writing your business plan. You're thinking about your business more critically, but then you get to this low and the low is when most people give up. And so anyone who wants to be an entrepreneur, I'd I'd prepare them for that. And I would say your whole journey is going to have lots of highs, lots of lows, and lots of stress, and you need to be prepared for that both like you know personally and and know ways to get through those hard times, you know, internally in yourself through your life, whether it's exercise or meditation or eating right, et cetera. Um, and then also right. having an external network of family, friends, advisors, etc., that can lift you back up and get through that. So that would that would be my first advice, I think.
1: Yeah, and and, and knowing many, many, many entrepreneurs, you know, that persistence that I'm going to see this through. And sometimes, of course, maybe we got to close a business. So certainly sometimes that can be it. But there's just an enormous amount of persistence that people need to see, you know, and have to be able to see it, see it through.
0: That's it. I mean, I, we have on our wall here in the office, um, big graffiti wall, and it says whatever it takes. And I think, whatever it takes, I yeah. think that's, that's one of the things that Vincent and I have done really, really well. Because we've, we've been persistent no matter yeah. what. And we've done whatever it has taken to succeed. And and a lot of startups have come and go or come and gone around us and have raised, let's say, a lot more money than us. But we we just have been persistent. We don't give up and we keep fighting. And when those lows happen, we find a way to you know look at that challenge in a new light and overcome it and keep going. And I think a lot of business is that. It's just persistence, it's continuing to to move forward until you get to that pivotal point where, you know, your growth curve starts to change a little bit.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And so as you went from, you know, that university student, you know, starting your own business, what did you need to change about yourself to find, to find success?
0: I think a bit of maturity and focus, right. Really aligning Really figuring out what it is that you you wanted. So I knew, okay, it's business. I knew it's entrepreneurship, and making that the priority. Right? It wasn't, you know, Western and having fun and and going to the bar every week, etc. It was more okay. Let's take this serious. You want to achieve? You know what you have to do to get there. Now it's time to do it. So I, I just became a, a sponge. Right? At Western, I. Skipped class all the time, and I had a lot of fun. (laughs) And I was smart enough that I could cram, and I could still do okay, right? But when I went to my post grad, I was I was a different person. I became obsessed with learning. So I I would I didn't miss a class. I gave everything my hundred percent effort. When I wasn't at school, I was reading books on entrepreneurship and business and leadership. And I was literally I became a sponge. I said, okay, now it's real life playtime's over. If I'm if I'm not gonna take that cushy job at the bank you know and you're going to take these these you know going to have these sacrifices and take these risks then you got to give it your all um so that was the biggest change for me i i just kind of leveled up
1: and it's true as well by the way again if you if you are going to take something on so seriously cuz you're really betting a lot yeah you're betting a decade right let's like, you know it's a big bet that's it what's your time with right yeah absolutely and and so it it really really matters and you sort of say hey and one of the 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 best things and the worst things about a business is it's kind of like all happens at the tail's end in terms of, you know, turning from profitable to wow, are we profitable? Or, you know, oh, this is sort of working to wow, this is really working and wow, I've built something. Right. Like it's it's not that much more a difference. And on the other hand, it's it's the type of commitment and sacrifice that you put in to get there because you're not going to get there competing against you know, all the smart people in the world with kind of a half-ass a- effort. You can, you can survive in businesses or another, somebody's, somebody's business not w- looking so clearly, right. know, like, okay. but, right. but not running your own business. <laughs> if someone wanted to do what you did and, and create what you've, you've created, what key habits would they want to uh, steal from you?
0: I would say they have to be focused. They have to be goal oriented You really have to know what you want. Um, And then I think I didn't do this alone, right? I've been able to build a great team. And I think that has really helped us succeed. So having a great culture. And I think, again, you know, that's something I really learned at StudioWorks and Lululemon. So it was easy for me, you know, and I'm obviously continuing to learn and and know what that takes. But it's having a great, uh, great atmosphere and a great culture for that's a welcoming, supportive environment for people to come in um, and start their careers. And you got to think about it, right? Like we're a small business and there's huge tech companies in Toronto, like Amazon, like Shopify. And, you know, I have great people here and and why should they come work for me instead of those companies? Right? So it's it's creating this environment where, you know, I'm going to support people and I'm going to help them grow and help them learn and and help them be part of something that's, that's bigger than them. Right. So we have an awesome team here of about 14 people and we have another three part-time people and like everybody sticks around. Everybody loves what we're doing. Everyone's like, we're a family, you know? Yeah. And I think that environment has, has really helped to succeed, allow us to succeed. So that would be, I would say a big lesson to someone is that you can't do this alone. When we were starting Spently, we were very secretive. We can't tell anybody about this right. eliminating paper receipts. We can't tell anybody. We even well, the first person we brought it to, and our business plan was our program coordinator, and right. we made him sign an NDA. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed, right? And he loved it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, he, and it wasn't like a one page mba it was like a 10 page NBA that we found somewhere on the internet and he signed it he was a good sport about it um and you know he was supporting <laughs> us and encouraging us to keep going for sure, for but sure. as soon as we forgot about that silliness and learned that's ridiculous and started telling people good things started happening for us yes so we met yes. an individual at a, at a college networking event And he said he was, you know, he was older, he had had come, those different businesses that came, they networked with the students. He said, you know, what are you guys doing? And and we, we called him this cryptic idea of like what we were doing. And he had no clue. He didn't know what we were doing. (laughs) Two years later, we saw that same person and we told him exactly what we were doing. And two months later, he gave us a $30,000 grant.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. So crazy. (laughs) The threat of quote unquote, stealing someone's idea. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Just tell everybody what you're doing, because, you know, the first developers I found um, to work, you know, to come work on Spendly, where I was working at Lululemon, telling someone about what I was doing. She said, hey, my cousin is this all star developer. He's gotten all these awards from Microsoft. You need to meet him. Right. Okay. And if, you, if you're not willing to tell people about what you're doing, then no one can help you. So that would be another big lesson. Tell everybody, most people don't have what it takes to execute. And they don't know everything about the industry that you do, that you right? Know. So yes. Yes. tell everybody, let the world help you, put yourself out there. And then once, you, once you're starting, it's, you're not going to be able to do it alone. So create a good environment and a great culture where people are going to want to help you and join your mission.
1: And you're so right, Nick. Like, there are so many people out there who literally just want to help. Yeah. They want, okay, hey, oh wow, I could help, or I know someone. So, so like, and that, yes, I guess there's some threats to perhaps, you know, telling someone about your idea, but, but, um, the, the advantages are so much more overwhelming, you know, just so much more overwhelming to do so, you know. So, uh, well, that's a, that's a great lesson. So, um, final question. When you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind?
0: I think someone who works for his people, right? So I think I'm a good leader because I'm here helping my team achieve what they want to achieve. Um, Not just in the business, but even outside of the business. And I think, you know, you, you mentioned it, but without even knowing about it. And I was reflecting before the podcast. I think a lot of that comes from student works and it comes from Lululemon where, where these are companies where they're literally coaching people to, to leave, you know, and, and making them great and, and leveraging those people while they're in the businesses, but understanding that, you know, they might go do something different and giving them the skills to do that. Um, and I'm okay with that here. I tell all my people, I said, listen, like, if, you, if, you, if your goal is to work for Google, that's awesome. I'm going to help you achieve that goal. While you're here, you know, give me everything you have in return Yeah, and yeah. I'll help you get your yeah. goal. Um, and so I, I think that's the best part of a leader is, is understanding that, you know, they don't work for you. You work for them.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. I love that, and I love the I love that culture. And um, again, really being actively committed. I get that's who you are, right? You're actively committed to your people, and as a result, you are in one of the most competitive environments in the world for top tech talent, right? Like there's others, but you know, you this is one of the most competitive markets in the world. So how do you hold on to your people? I have friends who go, "How do I hold on to my people? I don't have a chance." Well, guess what? They don't have the culture you have. They don't have, oh, I'm in it for my people. Yes, like you said, maybe there's a period of time. One of the other things is we regularly have conversations with people about what their future is and when maybe their future will stop being with us. So that we're actually also aware of, hey, how how will that transition be? And exactly. How can we transition as our leaders in the business? Which again works, you know. So so again, we're working to transition our team. If they want to transition, sure. and again, by the way, our you know, we don't want our rock stars to leave. Yeah, of part course. of us. Right. And on the other hand, we want our rock stars to leave, you yeah. know, just when they're ready to
0: leave. Yeah. It's a tough balance and it's a tough thing to be aware of. But we, you know, you have to understand as a leader that. At any given point, someone on your team can leave. So wouldn't you rather know what that looks like opposed to just saying, hey, here's my two weeks, right? Right? That's that's terrible. It puts the company in a bad position. And not like not only the company, but everybody in the company, especially if you lose an integral member, right? So yeah. if that if you have the culture of transparency and say, hey, I'm not gonna hold it against you if you if you wanna leave and yeah. you wanna pursue something else because a lot of times it, it may not just, it might not be, you know, the company or the mission. It could be like, yeah. I want to learn something new. I want to switch fields. and like Yes. Yeah. You know, you know, we've had people let's say who, who left Bentley to go work in, in crypto, right? In blockchain. Well, I know like I'm not going to be doing anything. In I support that, but because we have this great culture of transparency, you know, I know that that person's going to do that in six months not two weeks and we can build and hire. And, you know, it's a much better environment to have.
1: Yeah. And, and it's also just a way better environment just to be real with people. Right. Right. Just to be transparent, just to have conversations and, it just feels so right I just love that you're doing that and and I'm I appreciate you sharing with with the leaders about about how that works and uh, you know and again about the culture that you're building and uh, you know really excited about the path you're on Nick and and thanks for joining us on the leaders of tomorrow podcast Uh, I love everything that you had to share the the, this afternoon
0: thanks so much It was a pleasure uh, chatting with you about all of these topics hey leaders I hope you enjoyed this episode